11 days ago, the world was electrified when Christ was lifted up in the face of gross injustice. On October 2nd, former Dallas police officer Amber Geiger was sentenced to 10 years in prison for the murder of 26-year-old CPA Botham Jean in his own apartment. Geiger had entered his apartment, apparently mistaking it for her own, then proceeded to confront, shoot, and kill an unarmed man. For this to be done, however unintentionally, by a trained law enforcement officer is a horrific injustice. Many consider her 10-year sentence for taking the life of a man in his own home to be an injustice. But that's not what caught the world's attention. What captivated millions was the response of a young man of faith to this injustice. When Botham's younger brother Brant said these words, If you truly are sorry, I can speak for myself. I forgive. And I know if you go to God and ask him, he will forgive you. And I don't think anyone can say it. Again, I'm speaking for myself, but I love you just like anyone else. And I'm not going to say I hope you rot and die just like my brother did. But I presently want the best for you. And I wasn't going to ever say this in front of my family or anyone, but I don't even want you to go to jail. I want the best for you because I know that's exactly what both of them would want you to do. And the best would be to give your life to Christ. I'm not going to say anything else. I think giving your life to Christ would be the best thing that both of them would want you to do. Again, I love you as a person. I don't wish anything bad on you. I don't know if this is possible, but can I give her a hug, please? Please? And this image of a young black man embracing the white police officer who murdered his brother spread around the world as a powerful testimony of what a Christian response to injustice can and should look like. Love in the face of injustice. It was a powerful moment, and it's a powerful message, and it's a message that we as followers of Jesus Christ need to communicate and share when we encounter and confront injustice in this world. Because we live in a fallen world, and that means injustice is going to remain a part of it until Christ returns. And so the question is, how, how can we confront this injustice? How can we even process it ourselves in our own hearts in a Christ-like manner, right? Because it, when we see injustice, it offends our sensibilities, and, and it can be corrosive to our faith. But I want to assure you this is a problem that the people of God have been wrestling with for centuries. And so as we continue our journey through the Psalms, we learn that we can find comfort and hope and guidance on how to deal with the injustice that we will see and encounter and confront in this world. Psalm 37 is a psalm of godly wisdom in the face of gross injustice. It will be up on the screen, but it is quite long, so I would encourage you to grab your own copy, even though the words may be slightly different for the translation, the message is the same. Fret not yourself because of evildoers. Be not envious of wrongdoers, for they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. 
Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in Him, and He will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices. Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not yourself, it tends only to evil. For the evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. In just a little while the wicked will be no more, though you look carefully at his place, he will not be there. But the meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant peace. The wicked plots against the righteous and gnashes his teeth at him. But the Lord laughs at the wicked, for he sees his day coming. The wicked draw the sword and bend their bows to bring down the poor and needy to slay those whose way is upright. Their sword shall enter their own heart and their bows shall be broken. Better is the little that the righteous has than the abundance of many wicked. For the arms of the wicked shall be broken, but the Lord upholds the righteous. The Lord knows the days of the blameless, and their heritage will remain forever. They are not put to shame in evil times. In the days of famine they have abundance, but the wicked will perish. The enemies of the Lord are like the glory of the pastures. They vanish like smoke. They vanish away. The wicked borrows, but does not pay back. But the righteous is generous and gives. For those blessed by the Lord shall inherit the land, but those cursed by him shall be cut off. The steps of a man are established by the Lord when he delights in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be cast headlong, for the Lord upholds his hand. I have been young and now am old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken or his children begging for bread. He is ever lending generously and his children become a blessing. Turn away from evil and do good, so shall you dwell forever. For the Lord loves justice. He will not forsake his saints. They are preserved forever. But the children of the wicked shall be cut off. The righteous shall inherit the land and dwell upon it forever. The mouth of the righteous utters wisdom and his tongue speaks justice. The law of his God is in his heart. His steps do not slip. The wicked watches for the righteous and seeks to put him to death. The Lord will not abandon him to his power or let him be condemned when he is brought to trial. Wait for the Lord and keep his way, and he will exalt you to inherit the land. You will look on when the wicked are cut off. I have seen a wicked, ruthless man spreading himself like a green laurel tree, but he passed away, and behold, he was no more. Though I sought him, he could not be found. Mark the blameless and behold the upright, for there is a future for the man of peace. But transgressors shall be altogether destroyed. The future of the wicked shall be cut off. The salvation of the righteous is from the Lord. He is their stronghold in the time of trouble. The Lord helps them and delivers them. He delivers them from the wicked and saves them because they take refuge in him. Here is the reality of life. Sometimes the bad guys thrive. Whether it's office or schoolyard bullies, to thugs, criminals, gangsters, terrorists, and dictators, sometimes they enjoy very long seasons in which they're simply rolling in money, 
approval, fame, power, and their own evil. And we, as people of faith, begin to question why we bother to do the right thing. We wonder what God could possibly be thinking by permitting it. Well, well, Psalm 37 expresses the thoughts of an older man looking back after a long life of, of suffering, tolerating, and even committing injustice. This is David's inspired wisdom and word to us as we struggle to make sense of those times when good things happen to bad people. And I hope that as I read, you began to detect certain themes that are woven throughout this lengthy psalm, three of them that I want to highlight today, teach us how to respond to the injustice and unfairness that we inevitably encounter in this life. The first is don't fret, seek God, and do good. David begins by saying, fret not yourself because of evildoers, be not envious of wrongdoers. That word fret shows up a lot, so I wanted to take a minute and define that for you, in case you're not an expert on fretting. Many of us are experts on fretting, we just may just not know what to call it. Dictionary.com defines to fret as to torment, irritate, annoy, or vex. Verses 1, 7, and 8 repeat the command, fret not yourself. Right? Don't torment, irritate, annoy, or vex yourself. The point being that, that to be irritated, annoyed, or vexed about injustice and unfairness is unproductive. When you're fretting about the prosperity of unpleasant people, right, it means that, that you're repeatedly thinking about it, you're, you're circling unproductively in your thoughts, you're, you're wasting your time and your emotional energy in a way that doesn't change anything for the better. Right, Stewing about a situation with increasing anger and frustration isn't good. At, at best, it wastes time, but as David highlights, at worst, it leads us into evil ourselves as we give in to things like ungodly anger, cynicism, bitterness, and even imitation. Hence verse 8's warning, refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not yourself, it tends only to evil. So rather than fretting about injustice, David teaches us to seek God. See, our first response to the unfairness we see should not be anger or action. It should actually be to still ourselves before the Lord. Verse 7, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out his evil devices. As you battle your frustration over that jerk who keeps getting promoted at work or the celebrity, athlete, or politician who only seems to benefit from outrageously bad behavior. Stop, breathe, and pray. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Do this every day as often as you need to. And when faced with systematic unfairness, don't get angry, get God. That's the message. Verse 4 is a wonderful and profound command. Very simple. Delight yourself in the Lord. Delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. Right here in the midst of this conversation about the subject of injustice is this simple statement. Delight yourself in the Lord. He will give you the desires of your heart. In the face of injustice, David says that rather than trying to find our satisfaction in, in bringing others down or in getting revenge... 
We need to find our satisfaction and delight in God, the God who never changes. Delight yourself in the Lord. So let me ask, are you delighting in God this week? Have you delighted in God this week? Good. That's good. Because even if you're not, I don't want you to feel guilty about it, but I want you to remember this is what God is calling us to learn to do. And I choose that word consciously, learn to do. It is something we, we develop in, in the ability to do, right? When we learn to delight in God, in prayer and worship and meditation and study and ministry, then we find an endless source of delight that is, that is never affected by our circumstances or by the headlines we read in the news. This is a command that comes with a promise that when we delight in God, He'll give us what we desire. Now, does that mean that if we learn to delight in God, then suddenly we'll get a pony and a million dollars? No. No. Sorry, kids. No pony. Right? When we learn to delight in God, then our greatest and most precious desire will be to know and experience Him more and more richly and deeply, and He will grant us that desire of our hearts. And that leads us into the next verse that says we should each commit your way to the Lord, trust in Him, and He will act. And that's certainly reassuring that in the face of injustice, if we still ourselves, if we, if we delight in God, then He will act. But follow the flow into the next verse and realize that the most common way God acts in the midst of injustice that we are outraged about is to change us before he necessarily changes the one who's driving us nuts. Because verse 6 promises he will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. So, so as we desire, delight, seek, and hunger for God more and more, he will cause his work in our hearts to become increasingly visible to the broken and unjust world surrounding us. Hence, we shouldn't fret about injustice. Instead, we should seek God and then do good. Right? Rather than thinking pointlessly, endlessly, and even sinfully about injustice, we should be working for good, working for justice, as verse 3 exhorts. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Don't get mad. Don't get even. Get God, get good, and get faithful. Be willing to stand up and do good, confident that God is with you and that He protects you as you serve and glorify Him. Verses 23 and 24 promise the steps of a man are established by the Lord when he delights in His way. Though he fall, he shall not be cast headlong, for the Lord upholds His hand. Right. So, so doing the right and godly thing in an unjust and fallen world isn't going to be easy. It's not going to be comfortable. It's not going to be free of pain, right? Though he fall, right? That's talking about us when we're trying to do the right thing. But the point is that God is there to strengthen you as you delight in serving him. Yes, though there will be pain, God promises to hold your hand and to protect you from spiritual disaster in the midst of it. And so as the body of Christ, as the people of God, we must work for justice, but not in an ugly, angry, or embittered way. We must speak for justice by speaking God's truth in His Word, as verses 30 and 31 teach us. 
The mouth of the righteous utters wisdom, and his tongue speaks justice. The law of his God is in his heart. His steps do not slip. And so we speak and do good in the face of injustice. Fret not and seek God, for he is with us as we serve. Second great theme of this psalm, as we confront the injustice of the world, as we wrestle with it and why it is allowed to go on and it angers us and drives us crazy, is to understand God's ultimate justice for wrongdoers. See, David understands just how difficult it is for us when we see the wicked prosper, when we see the sleazeball get away with crime, the unethical co-worker climb the corporate ladder at our expense, the cheater win or the bully prosper. And in these situations, God wants us to look at these individuals from an eternal perspective. Right, to step away from our short-term, self-oriented perspective and move into his eternal perspective and realize that their life and their material prosperity are only temporary. They are quicker than the blink of an eye. Over and over again, this psalm emphasizes that those who prosper through injustice will fade away. Verse 2 sets the tone, for they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. It's reiterated powerfully in verse 10. In just a little while, the wicked will be no more. Though you look carefully at his place, he will not be there. Again, it's talked about in verses 20, 35, and 36. I hope we're beginning to get the point that, that indeed God will actively cut off the unjust from himself and from life. As verses 9 and 38 emphasize, but transgressors shall be altogether destroyed. The future of the wicked shall be cut off. The point is that God will punish the unjust ultimately and forever. They may never see justice during the short years of their life, but they will reap what they have sown forever. Let's be honest. David is talking about hell and damnation, being forever separated from God's presence and love, just as Jesus spoke of so often and quite directly. Verses 12 and 13 assure us there will be a day of ultimate judgment and justice. The wicked plots against the righteous and gnashes his teeth at him, but the Lord laughs at the wicked, for he sees that his day is coming. That day will be a day of ultimate defeat for the unjust. Indeed, we become a little uncomfortable as we read verse 17, for the arms of the wicked shall be broken, but the Lord upholds the righteous. And let's be clear, these promises of ultimate justice are not here to satisfy our bloodlust or our thirst for vengeance. Right, they are here to assure us that God is just, that He sees all that goes on, and to encourage us who seek to live by His law and His rules to hold on, to still ourselves before God, to not fret, to seek Him and do good no matter what goes on around us. Right, these promises teach us that in the face of the monstrous evil and injustice that we see all around us, despite our best efforts, that as followers of Jesus Christ, we must eagerly wait for God's ultimate reward for his followers. David weaves this encouragement throughout the psalm that God knows and will bless the faithful. Verses 18 and 19 proclaim, The Lord knows the days of the blameless, and their heritage will remain forever. 
They are not put to shame in evil times. In the days of famine, they have abundance. Verse 28 explains, For the Lord loves justice. He will not forsake his saints. And verse 34 promises, We will be exalted by God and see his justice carried out. Wait for the Lord and keep his way. And he will exalt you to inherit the land. You will look on when the wicked are cut off. So our greatest exaltation, though, we need to understand is eternal salvation. This is David's conclusion at the very end, verses 39 and 40. The salvation of the righteous is from the Lord. He is their stronghold in their time of trouble. The Lord helps them and delivers them. He delivers them from the wicked and saves them because they take refuge in Him. Here we must understand and embrace the truth of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. That our ultimate blessing, our ultimate reward is our salvation and our salvation comes not because we deserve it and because we are righteous and because we are good and because we follow all the rules, but because we take refuge in God by faith. See, here's the truth that we must reluctantly admit to ourselves. And in fact, if we were better at it, we would spend less time fretting. Right? That we must confess to ourselves amidst our self-righteous fretting about injustice. We are also unjust. We are all wrongdoers. We all have done things that are evil, selfish, hurtful, unethical, or immoral from time to time, haven't we? We mean well. I'm confident every one of you means well. But we still mess up from time to time. We still succumb to the temptation to, to insult people, whether it's just in our thoughts or whether it's in our words. We succumb to the temptation to manipulate or hurt people for our own benefit, our own advantage through our actions. We still succumb to the temptation to debase ourselves or others for short-term gratification in rebellion against God's good plan for our long-term flourishing. Whatever tempts us, and I know there is something that tempts each of us, none of us are perfect. We all fall short of God's glory and standard by sinning at times, right? We are the very thing that we like to stand on a podium and decry and fret about. We are the unjust. But because we embrace Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, God in His grace and mercy forgives our sin and our wrongdoing when we ask Him to. And He declares us just and righteous. Because Jesus Christ suffered the ultimate injustice in living a perfectly sin-free life, yet dying a horrific death on a cross to pay the penalty to atone for our sins. When we put our faith in Him, God declares us to be righteous, numbers us, among the just, adopts us as his children, and loves us. It is because of the gospel that we can and should eagerly await God's ultimate reward, because while we do not deserve this reward, and we cannot earn it through Christ, we are going to receive it one day anyway. Through Christ, God gives us salvation and our ultimate reward, which is to spend eternity in his presence. Verse 11, which should sound familiar to most of you, promises we will inherit the earth and experience the abundant peace of God, but the meek shall inherit the land 
and delight themselves in abundant peace. This idea of our ultimate inheritance is emphasized in verse 9. Those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. Verse 22, those blessed by the Lord shall inherit the land. Verse 29, the righteous shall inherit the land and dwell upon it forever. And what does this inheritance look like? It is revealed to us in Revelation 21, 1 through 4. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them. And they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. This is our future. This is the reward we eagerly await. This is our our promise of experiencing God's ultimate justice. So how can we trust in this? Right? How can we trust God's promise of ultimate justice that we have seen spoken throughout this psalm? How can we still ourselves and wait and work faithfully in the face of all the evil and injustice we see that goes on around us? We can trust in God's justice because of the cross of Jesus Christ. We can trust in God's justice because he sent his son into this world to die on that cross to perfectly fulfill his justice by paying the penalty required for all our sin and evil. God is just. And because he is just, Christ died and rose from the dead. The proof of God's perfect justice is Christ's blood shed for us and his body broken for us. The proof of God's justice is what we are about to remember and celebrate in just a moment as we gather around the Lord's table to remind ourselves that through Christ we can wait and we can rest in God's promises no matter the injustice that surrounds us because God is ultimately just. Please pray with me. Father God, you are the God of perfect justice. And at the cross, we see your justice fulfilled, even as we see your mercy and grace and love and goodness poured out. At the cross, we find the strength to stand up and keep standing in the face of injustice. At the cross, we find the strength to keep speaking your word in a world that increasingly hates your truth. At the cross, we find the truth that we too are unjust. We've each failed you. That we deserve all those terrible things that await the unjust that you promise in these words but because of your grace and your mercy and your love and your kindness, you have freed us from the debt we owe, the penalty we should pay, the sacrifice of your son Jesus on the cross. 
Father, as we are preparing our hearts to gather around the Lord's table to remember that sacrifice. Renew in us our our strength to wait patiently and to still ourselves before you. Renew in us our courage to speak and act for your truth and justice in an unjust world. Renew our strength to wait and look forward to that day of judgment and the ultimate reward on the other side. Lord God, fill us with you. Help us to delight in you more and more. May you be the greatest desire of our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.